Welcome back to Shooting the Ish with a Brit, you guys. I'm Jen. Being so welcoming, Jen, I appreciate that. <laughs> or, was that or was that for the audience? Uh, what? <laughs> I guess that was for the audience and not me, but it's lovely to see you too, Jen. <laughs> yes, you too. I don't, that completely went over my head. I don't know what's going on, but all right. <laughs> you know, uh, before, I, before I came in this recording, by the way, it's... Um, it's really hot in LA, it's, it's probably not surprising. And I was sitting here with my shirt off. And uh, I, I even just before, like, as I opened the Zoom, it said, do you want to join the video? And I saw the image of me with my shirt off. And I thought, I don't want to scare Jen like that. So you I put my right. t-shirt on. You did right. right. So <laughs> I was almost there. I thought, no, I can't do that to her. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know why Very this good. popped into my head. But I think of Steve Rogers. Skinny Steve Rogers and you. Hey, whoa, whoa, hey, hey, this is not the super, not super guy. soldier Steve Rogers. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Like that hella skinny. I was like, oh god. <laughs> Even though I know that's probably not what your body looks like, but that's the first thing that I thought of. Maybe because you're like my brother, and so seeing your chest would really be like, what the hell is going on? Well, yeah. also because I have my pale British skin, it looks like just a white t-shirt on me anyway. So. You know, yeah, it's, you, you maybe wouldn't have even noticed. But I think with Steve Rogers, uh, I would probably, if like 0% was the skinny Steve and like, you know, Captain America Steve was 100%, I think I'm probably at about 30, 40%. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's toned. <laughs> I like that. Uh, that's really, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> right. That's, that's, that's the gauge from now on. Uh, yes, like it is. That's All right. Funny. So today we are here to talk about our mid-20s. Where, oh uh, my like, god yes <laughs> living life having a great time uh for, at least for me it was an excellent period of my life i was you know young having fun and, and working on some cool stuff and as hard as it was just having a good time you know mm. how about you it was transformative i'll say that it was transformative okay. uh a lot of forks in the road a lot so All yeah right. oh. And look, do you want to tell us what the first one is? Yeah. What's the first one going to be? Um, let's see. Okay. So, okay. The year is, I want to say it's 2008. And I'm 24 years old. And during my mid-20s, I joined a Korean cult. Boom. Okay. Mm -hmm. So... When I moved to Los Angeles, the whole goal was for me to get into the entertainment industry, right? And so as I've talked about in the previous episode, um, have the recession, you have a lot of things falling apart. Um, and so wasn't really able to like successfully get into the entertainment industry in the way that I wanted to. And so I found myself really leaning on God a lot during this time. And although I grew up very Christian, I was looking for like more. I needed more questions answered. And so this particular church in Reseda, California answered so many questions for me. And by the end of it, I, it turned out to be a cult, but it was one of the best experiences of my life. So... At 24, joining a cult, which was very transformative, it taught me so many things. It taught me how to be a leader. It taught me how to go up to random people 
and express my convictions about God. And it taught me how to love. I feel like I uh, really became a better person, like how to really love my friends, my family, myself because of this experience. Um, so yeah, so that's the first thing I'm gonna share. How, how were you introduced to this cult? How did it come around? Through my, one of my ex-best friends. So she also was quote unquote looking for God at the same time. And she's somebody that I went to college with. And she was my college roommate, one of my best friends, ex-best friend, right? And so she had two selling points. One was, Jen, all they do is have festivals all the time, like biblical festivals. So I'm thinking party time. Then she said, <laughs> and the men are gorgeous. And so knowing me and how boy crazy, I'm like, listen, sign me up, okay? So we ended up going um, the first day, fine men everywhere, it was unbelievable. And a lot of them were in suits, you know, very like godlike, very respectful. And I had a Bible study that um, was really deep and it was about, you know, what is the Sabbath day? And it was as simple as the seventh day is Saturday. Boom, for me. I didn't know the seventh day was, I thought it was Sunday. So something as simple as that um, really got me to like continue to study and eventually join. So that's how it happened. And then so the big question then I think everyone is probably thinking is how did it end? Why did it end? Mm. So it ended because um, the founder of the church wrote a book. It's very dramatic. Get ready for this, you guys. Okay. So the <laughs> founder of the church died in 1985. And supposedly he founded this church, right? Along with a woman, a Korean woman. So Korean man and woman founded the church, right? So then in 2012, as I'm deep in the church, yes? A book started circulating that the founder wrote. And he said, there's going to be this church claiming that I'm the founder of this church. I am not the founder of this church. And this woman who is claiming to be a deity is not a deity. So I'm like, what is going, you know? So then I was like, well, if I'm supposed to believe in the founder of this church and he's saying he's not the founder of the church, then I gotta go, you know? So that's how it ended. Otherwise folks, I would still be there without a doubt. That is, I mean, I think I could have guessed a thousand reasons why you left that cult and that is in no, I would never have guessed anything along those lines. That's that's mm -hmm. so intricate. That's that's something straight out of a movie right there. Listen, listen, it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, that's fascinating. So, do you, do you, uh, you know, it sounds like you still look fondly, back fondly on it, it. And it sounds like the experiences are really good, to be honest, apart from just at the end. You just you couldn't believe in it anymore, essentially. Right. I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. I said I believed in right. the founder. The founder said he wasn't the founder. Uh, gotta go. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience for me. Um, a lot of times when people talk about cults, it's like very extreme. Like people are getting raped. You know what I mean? People are are drinking the Kool-Aid, as they say, because of that Guyanese cult. Um, none of that happened. The food was delicious. I mean, <laughs> I freaking love Korean food because of that place. Um, and a lot of the people who left around the time that I did we are a collective of sisters. Like we still call each other sisters. 
um, which is so awesome. So, um, you know, on this upcoming trip to Los Angeles, I'm going to see my sisters and um, we usually, you know, just ruminate on the times there, the crazy stuff, the funny, crazy stuff that happened and just where we are in our lives. But yes, overall, it was a, it was a beautiful experience. And if anything, it was kind of like a coming of age. A lot of times when you think about coming of age stories, you never think you have to go through a cult. But for me, I had to. Um, and I came out, um, I came out damaged in a way, of course, because of the betrayal, right? Um, but in terms of like who I am at the core, really exposed who I am, which is a very loving person, a person that desires to give, a person that desires family, desires truth. Um, so yeah, to your question overall, it's very good. That's refreshing to hear because, you know, most stories you do hear about cults, as you alluded to earlier, aren't very positive, um, especially when it comes to leaving them. So that's, it's really refreshing that one, you had an amazing time and you got a lot of good out of it. And, you know, obviously you can completely understand the, the breakdown of trust, but mm -hmm. that's really nice to hear that you still look fondly back at it and you got so much out of it. That's amazing. Yeah. Very unique, yeah. very rare situation, but yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm assuming the church is still going now, right? It is. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't wow. just one location in Reseda. They're all over the world. Oh, wow. That's yeah. amazing. Okay. All right. Uh, what was it called? The World Mission Society Church of God. What? There's so many words in that name. So many words. I know. There's so many words. A Too lot. many words. Too many. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So my first one this week is travel. Uh, kind of, I, I started traveling, you know, on my own early 20s. And then by the mid 20s, I was traveling all the time. And it's just, as you know, it's one of my favorite things to do. And I love experiencing new cultures, new people, um, new, new music, new nature, new architecture, new art. It just, I just love it. And, and this period of my life, um, which I think we talked about last episode, but, uh, or maybe one before, but I didn't, it's not like I had a load of money, right? Um, so I would just, I would still just spend my money on going traveling, even though I didn't have any. And uh, it was just so important to me. And I was just getting so much growth out of it and enjoyment and excitement. Uh, and which I still do to this day, which, you know, is actually uh, one of the hardest things for me personally during the pandemic is not being able to travel in that way. Um, and I, I look forward to those days again. And, and uh, for the audience, actually, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to be in New York in a couple of weeks. So Jen and I are going to get to record one of these face-to-face, -face, which will be fun. Um, but I'm really excited just to even go traveling to New York for a couple of weeks, you know, get out of this mm -hmm. space and, and see different people and, and just get a bit of a, an air of something else for a while. You know, it'd be really nice. So travel, you know, it, it invigorates me. And this was really the period of my life where I really got into it. And fortunately enough, uh, on the back end of it, um, uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about it next time. Um, I was also traveling for work, right? And I did that for several years. And, and that experience was just phenomenal. You know, it just gave mm -hmm. me so much, you know, a whole other layer from just being a tourist somewhere, doing it with work and living somewhere for months on end and or a year in one case. Um, you just really get to know the culture and, and, and people and it just and yourself, quite honestly, right? And, and, and how you fit into different environments and, and you know how, how to be more adaptable and versatile and vulnerable I guess um, which you certainly have to be very vulnerable with traveling. Mm. Name some of the places that you started traveling to during this period of your life. Sure um, I mean Europe um, was obviously quite predominant. Um, uh, I spent time in in like Cuba I did all of Central America um, 
uh, yeah, but mainly Europe, you know, and, and some, some countries I'll call out, which I love, like, you know, Germany and, and Sweden and Italy and, uh, you know, several of the Eastern European countries are great fun. Um, Spain, love Spain, just one of my favorite, favorite countries. Um, I, I got around, I got around. <laughs> <laughs> and during this time that you're traveling, particularly in Europe, considering that they're all white countries, white dominated countries, did you notice any stark differences between your English culture and the others? I mean, I absolutely would have done um, in all of those places for sure. Even, even I just go a real basic one is eating habits, right? Even the times of meals, the, the style and the way meals are eaten. Um, you know, Spain's obviously a good example with the, the later in the day and, and, and later in the evening meals and whatnot. Um, so that would be a, a big one. Um, music, of course, every, every single one of those countries has very unique music, which is exciting and, and interesting. And architecture which I always mm -hmm. love, um, especially, especially in Europe, just because there's, you know, it's hundreds of years old and, and it's all just so fucking beautiful. It's incredible to see. And for me, like I love, I'm, yeah. as you know, I'm not religious, but I love cathedrals. I love religious buildings. I just think they're always so impressive to me, the mm -hmm. scale and the, and the mm -hmm. detail. Like they, they are just beautiful pieces of art on just the grandest scale, I think. So I love seeing all that kind of stuff too. I love that. And what modes of travel did you use during this time? I mean, any and all, for sure. I mean, obviously, I flew okay. a lot. I, I, I drove a lot, um, you know, jumped on some trains here and there, um, occasionally a boat. Um, uh, but, yeah, mostly mostly planes and uh, and, and cars, I think. And, and some buses, I guess. There were some buses when I was, you know, poorer. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. when, when, like, you know, five bucks over ten bucks makes a big difference. <laughs> I like it. Any water travel? Uh, you mean by a boat, like long distance? Mm -hmm. Not really. I've never really done that too much. I mean, I've been on several boats and out and, and whatnot, but never never something overnight or long distance, except, and this is going back to a different period, but in college, we had to do a, like a location scout for a, a little short film we were doing in France. And we had an eight hour ferry ride because that was the cheapest way to get us over there. And I got food poisoning just before. And it was an overnight ferry and it was rocky. It was bad weather. And I had food poisoning and I had just the worst. It sends shivers down my spine thinking about it now. Like, oh, it's horrible. Um, oh everyone else God. is trying to sleep on the floor and I'm just throwing up and feeling horrific. That's <laughs> it wasn't disgusting. fun. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't fun. At least I didn't put my pants that one though. So exactly. Good. Thank that's, God. That's progress. Thank that's God progress from my that. early 20s. Yeah. Thank God for that. Um, okay. Uh, next for you, I will go with me getting my first apartment. So this was like right before my 25th birthday. I always remember it as the 25th, but it's like right before my 25th birthday. So it's 2009. And I had, so the church I was going to was in Reseda. I was also living in Reseda at the time. So Reseda, for those that don't know, that don't know the LA County layout, Reseda is in the San Fernando Valley, okay? So around the San Fernando Valley, it was just sort of my area. Like I knew that area really well. And I always said to myself, I want to live in Encino. Encino was just so beautiful to me. And Michael Jackson used to live there. So why not me? Why can't I live in a nice posh little area like Encino? Sure enough, again, 2009, everything's crumbling, okay? 
and I can get an apartment for like $500 a month. It wasn't $500. It was more like $895. Can you imagine? It was literally $895 wow. a month for a one-bedroom apartment. It was adorable. The appliances looked like they were made for little people, to be honest. But otherwise, it was like really nice. And so um, with a pool, everything, like it was very LA. And so considering that I couldn't really afford the security deposit, I could only afford like first month's rent. My mom gave me the security deposit, which was the same as first month's rent, which was nice. And I moved right on in, which was great. And I just felt like, this is what's interesting about my first apartment. A lot of things that I did during this period were informed by my church experience, right? So I was like, oh, I can't wait to have an apartment so that I can like bring my sisters over and we can like talk about the Bible and we can like study and learn all this stuff. So I really looked at my apartment as like a place for fellowship, a place for people to come to if they needed to like sleep or needed a place to stay. And so when I got this place, I was just, I wasn't really thinking about like my own enjoyment, even though I did enjoy it. The initial thought was, I want this to be for like other people. Um, so yeah, I was lucky enough to have this apartment in Encino um, on Newcastle. I feel like a lot of people lived on Newcastle. Every time I talk about Newcastle, they're like, yeah, I used to live on Newcastle Avenue. Uh, my girlfriend has a place on Newcastle Avenue. Um, so yeah, that was a really big moment for me during my mid-20s, getting my first apartment in general and by myself, like, which was amazing. Uh, it, uh, it's wonderful, uh, just in general, kind of having your own place anyway, but let alone being your first place on your own. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a real special moment. And uh, especially that you kind of got there and, and landed where you wanted to land as well. Um, and, and just for anyone who doesn't know Los Angeles, 895 for a one bedroom apartment is insane. Uh, you know, on average, it's at least double that now. Um, and, and that's not that long ago, really, you know, and it, it's only going up right now. So that's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so what, um, what were the things that you started doing at home? Cause you lived on your own that you didn't do before. Yes. Dancing naked. The mm -hmm. Classic. And yeah. Standard. That's one. What else did I used to do? I used to eat food like a savage like there's a part of me that like when I get so excited about food I'm like hands in all over my fit like all of that and so at this point in time I was like oh my god nobody's watching me I can eat the way that I desire like I am going to devour this food one of the things my mother actually told Ishmael recently when she saw him was there are a couple of things you don't mess with Jennifer with, okay? Even at her age of 37 right now, which has been since I was a kid, she said food is one of them. Like you just don't mess with her when it comes to food. Um, so yeah, those are like the two biggest things that I was so happy to do when I started living on my own. I love that. Um, I, I definitely just have my image, this image in my head of this Rottweiler just going at uh, with <laughs> a bowl of food. <laughs> yeah, basically, basically, just man, oh man, it's wonderful when nobody is watching you eat. My God, 
the stress. So do you do you do you still do it now? Like when you're eating with Ishmael, you're one way, and then when you're at home, you're just like go fucking wild. No, it's funny because I I I I don't even I don't even I'm not even that wild like at all anymore alone. Um, <laughs> my only thing with Ishmael is I don't like to share my food. So real quick, okay. I just think it's a waste of time. So there's my thing with Ishmael. It's like, we're at a restaurant together with the same menu. If you want, if you want the chicken, get the chicken. Don't have any of my chicken, okay? Because I want all of my chicken. I'm a little person. I need all the sustenance. I need all of it. And he is Mr. Taste. He wants to taste everybody's food. It pisses me off, okay? It's like, why do you have to taste it? Like, what is this? So he gets on me. He thinks I'm hella selfish when it comes to my food. Again, my mother told him, don't mess with this woman and her food. So I've gotten better because it does make me feel kind of bad when we're sitting together. Again, food is accessible to him, but for some reason... He just wants what's out of my plate. So I give it to him because I feel bad. But inside, I'm like, just let me enjoy my food, Mr. Taster. You know? I, I, I love it. I love it. Uh, I think that's that's hilarious. So if he just if he just reaches over and grabs nabs a bit of your chicken, you're, like, you're slapping his hand away or what? It's just listen, like you're just not going to speak to him for 24 hours. Listen, listen. <laughs> I will give him a death stare. I, can, I can't even smack his hand because i'd be so mad i don't understand people it just it, i don't understand it especially for the restaurant it's the same thing you just get what just just get it leave me alone let me enjoy my experience and this is coming from somebody who had plenty of food at home i mean the way that you would think like i just i had to like fend for my food i had to like beat my own food you know what i mean like beat a chicken eat like no I have plenty of food I just there's an experience of food that I enjoy okay and I just don't want to interrupt it but unfortunately I'm in a relationship and I need to compromise okay on this huge thing so there you go good for you for for doing that uh but I love I love your I I don't think I've ever seen you be so passionate about anything Jen look listen listen (laughs) it's so true it's amazing um, okay well i hate to ruin the fun there because my next one's a little bit more of a sad one. Oh lord but it's, it's yeah i know but it's okay but it's, it's it, this was um probably one of the most difficult times in my life and it was when my grandma or what we would call nanny in, in england we call her nanny um she, so let me preface this actually my, my nan she was she's she was like my person in my family right her and i were close she was always my number one supporter in everything yeah. I did. And, and she, you know, as best she could, you know, she spoiled us kids. Like she really did and cared for us a lot. And, um, and as I mentioned in earlier episodes, you know, my mom, single mom with three kids and my grandma was a big part of that as well. And, you know, would always be around and looking after us and, you know, it was a big part of that. So uh, she was just very special to me. Uh, during this period of time in my life, um, she got sick with, with cancer um and um uh, at the time um my 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 mom and my stepdad were living abroad in hong kong um and you know we didn't know how serious it was right it was kind of just getting started whatever anyway uh so i had to care for my grandma for six months or when i say had to or like i just willingly volunteered right and fortunately i wasn't working at the time i was 
you know, between jobs and whatever, between freelance jobs. So I could do it, which is amazing because there was no one else really around that could really commit to it and do it. So um, it, that was obviously very difficult, you know, appointments and, and whatnot. And, uh, but it was also really special because we got to spend, you know, a huge amount of time together during that period, especially kind of building up towards the end of our life, which is obviously an amazing thing. Um, the caveat to it, the, the addition to it as well, is that um, my granddad, my step-granddad, Michael, um, he suffered from dementia. And she was basically caring for him. They lived in a tiny little flat together for, where they'd been for years. And, and he was, you know, getting worse and worse. And my grandma was obviously sick at this point. Um, and uh, one of the hardest moments I had, um, and this was really difficult, uh, was my grandma had to have an operation. She had to have the cancer removed. Um, and, uh, but she refused to go and have the operation until my granddad, Michael, was in a home or being cared for elsewhere. Like, you know, uh, for him, he didn't understand it with his dementia. He thought, I can look after myself. I can do this. I can do that, which he absolutely couldn't. He didn't have that control anymore. Or, you know, we, you couldn't trust him with that, unfortunately. Um, so I had to, to, and any of my family listening, by the way, you maybe have never heard this, me even tell anyone about this because it's not something I shared with you because I didn't want to, you know, cause any extra emotional strain. Um, but uh, I had to sit down in my, the living room of my, my grandma and my granddad. My, gra my grandma is in tears, you know, just because she knows obviously what, what I'm talking about. Um, and with Michael, my, my granddad with dementia, I, I'm trying to help him understand and persuade him that he has to go to this home that I've, you know, obviously in the background organized for him and set up so he can just go and, and go move in there temporarily, you know, obviously ended up being permanently. Um, but he, because of the dementia, he just couldn't get it. You know, he couldn't understand it. He couldn't accept it. He couldn't agree to it. But I sat there for two and a half hours, just repeating myself, repeating myself, repeating myself. And eventually he got it. And it just, there was a moment of clarity and he just kind of clicked into it and said, okay, no worries. You know, of course um, I'll go tomorrow. And then I came from the next morning and he had a bag packed and he was ready to go and great. So but anyway, my nan, um, uh, you know, she had the operation, um, but later, and I'm, it was a horrific night later on, which I was a big part of that I, I won't share the details of. Uh, I'll spare you those, but it wasn't great. And, and then, you know, she, she died not long after. Um, and that was, that was really difficult for me, you know, because she was my person in the family. And um, uh, so that was, that was a really hard part of this period of my life. Um, the one silver lining and the one positive out of it is that my mum and my grandma were also really close. They had that, you know, that bond as well and that relationship. So uh, after my grandma had died, I realized that my mum had also lost that person in her life. So I, I kind of, you know, I thought about it and I made sure and I, I wanted to obviously as well. I, I made that, I built that relationship between me and my mum that me and my grandma used to have, right? So she had that person. And then I could also talk to her, right? So that was the like a real start of um, the strengthening between my my adult life and my mum, and kind of our bonding was was because of that, and which has been great because it's obviously grown and evolved over the years as well. And you know, I'm I'm close to my mum, and um, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And this is your mom's mom. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's she was French, just for. Mm. And, and, and when she died, well, when, she, when she died, when she was 79, one, she had a, a, 
stupidly thick French accent still, even having lived in England since she was 21, which I find amazing. <laughs> and two, she had, in her life, she never wore a pair of trousers. She only ever wears skirts. Interesting. Mm. So she was born in what year? Uh, now you're testing me. Uh, I, I, on, on top of my head, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. Um, but I, but I think it must something. have been somewhere around um, uh, uh, like 1932 or 1933, mm. I guess. Yeah. So she was a, wow. a child during the Second World War. She got evacuated um, from France in the Second World War. Wow. Wow. And what kind of cancer was it? Uh, you know, it's funny because I've tried to think about this before this, but I think I've kind of blanked it out, honestly. I don't even remember exactly what cancer it was. Um, I, ver I, ver I very vividly remember having to sign her DNR and things like that, but uh, that there's some of those details which are just absent from me now. Um, wow. Yeah, shout out to all um, caretakers, especially younger caretakers, because it is um, a lot emotionally um yeah especially if it's someone you you know and you care about you know you have that emotional connection with definitely and i think you have to display like a lot of patience and like dedicate a nice amount of time um and kindness to a loved one when you're taking care of them do you have any words for people who are caretakers that are listening um, uh, I mean, the first thing that came into my head is, is the, uh, you know, when you're on a plane and they say, put your mask on before you put it on the kid, same principle, right? You got to look after yourself, you know, along the way for sure. Um, but also just know that it, um, it means so much to that person that you're caring for and it's doing like emotionally and physically, right. And being, being that person that support to help them being that person that, uh, someone can rely on in that moment. Is, is really special mm -hmm. and and also you know again if, it, if it's a loved one say the silver lining you know before she died is that we did I did spend so much more time and even before that actually with my grandma I used to I used to call her every day do you know what I mean like just because she I mean she loved it so much so we were always close like that um but this period of time I just spent obviously a lot more time you know I, I saw her almost every day right so mm -hmm. um that that was uh, you know that was a gift mm-hmm yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, and then lastly, what I'll say is um, getting fired for the first time in my life. And so mm -hmm. this sparked a quarter life crisis for me. So I was working at Netflix, again, 25 years old. Um, this is 2009. Yes, 2009, after I got my first apartment. And um, I was working in a, well, my, my job description was metadata. So I was responsible for um, sort of like inputting all the metadata for titles for Netflix. So metadata includes like the rating, the description, that kind of stuff. And let me tell you, I was just fucking terrible at it. Like it was, I don't even know why I was, I, I, I don't, I don't know what it was. But let me tell you, after three weeks, Netflix got my little ass up on out of there. OK, <laughs> so they were like, listen, like we just basically don't have any faith in you um, at all. So 
what was funny about that firing though is from what I heard from from some people who have gotten fired before and actually a lot of people have gotten fired especially in their 20s um they say they don't come out with like a severance package or anything so I was there at Netflix for three weeks Netflix gave me like three months severance package so I don't know if there was some now that I'm looking back on it, I'm like, was there some sort of foul play or what the hell was going on? But anyway, they gave me three months. Um, but at this time, like I remember talking actually to my um, stepmom and uh, telling her what happened. And I was just feeling really bad about it. Like, I believe that it was a reflection on me that I was not smart, that I was not competent like, I really took that so much to be like a, a defect in my being. Um, because as we've talked about throughout this, this season, the things that I have been taught about myself, you're smart, you're great, you're this, you're that. I had never really, for the most part, I had never really um, seen any challenges to that. Like, there, there were not many life experiences that challenged those beliefs right so then with being fired and the stigma of being fired and nobody telling me they had been fired before right I didn't know whether this was like an outlier thing whether this was again a reflection of my capability so I'm just in this world of like what's wrong with me at 25 in the world with a new apartment in a new city what is going to happen and fire from a job that had nothing to do with what I wanted to do creatively. So yeah, so that was another transformative um, experience in my mid twenties. Wow. Uh, to be honest, it sounds like you got paid for four months for three, three weeks work, which is pretty good at the end of it. Um, um, yeah. But uh, so what, what did you, like when you came out of that, as you say, it kind of was a little bit of a crisis, you know, in your head, um, but what, what did you what did you change after that? What did you think? Okay, oh shit, this is where I need to readjust here and, and refocus. God, again, this was two thousand nine. So my whole thing was, I just need to find another job. Like I didn't. It took me like a while to like get out of my head psychologically that there was nothing internally, intrinsically wrong with me. So immediately after this happened. I was just like, I, I just need another job. Like I need to get something else, you know? So that's where I get was at this horse. time. That's where I was right. at this time. Yes. Right. Because yeah. you're essentially, you're, so really your confidence was not in the biggest way and you just wanted to get back on the horse to, to kind of rejig that confidence. Well, it was, it was, I don't think, was it confidence? Like there was like a shame. You know, what's interesting. Jen, um, Brene Brown, this is white lady. She has done a lot of work um, regarding vulnerability and she talks a lot about guilt versus shame. And so she explains, guilt is I made a mistake. Shame is I am a mistake. And so with me being fired, I had shame about that. I told my stepmom, I told my mom, I told some other people too, um, but in me telling, like I felt a lot of shame. And so in these conversations, of course, with the people that I love, you know, they they, um, you know, really pieced me back together and expressed, you know, work experiences that they've had um, where it's been, you know, terrible and perhaps they've been fired, you know. Um, so I wouldn't say, I think it was deeper than confidence. It was a shame. It was a shame. And 
again, when I have been um, told and believed about myself that I am all of these, 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 these positive things, even though firing can also be positive, but traditionally positive things, um, then when I was met with this challenge, you know, it manifested into shame. The output was shame, you know? So me wanting to get another job was more so about me not wanting to go back to Chicago, okay? So I kind of put the shame on a shelf because I need another job. But that shame still carried, it still carried me for sure. Or I still carried it for sure. And when you got another job, did that disappear quickly? You kind of got your groove back? No, I feel like I, it did not disappear quickly. This took years. This type of shame took years. Um, but the other job, I was overcompensating because I had a fear of being fired. I had a fear that I was not competent enough, that I was not um, smart enough for the role. When, when I came to an understanding about what that was really about, it was more that that wasn't my calling anyway, and I'm not going to be good at everything. There is a lane for me, and that was not the lane for me. Mm-hmm. Right, which is what which is what I was going to say. You know, it, it's yeah. Everyone has their their different skills and abilities, and especially when you're the thing is when you're getting jobs when you're younger and earlier on in your career, you don't know yet what your skill set is. You don't know where you're going to excel or, or, or not not do so well. Um, so you, it is a bit of trial and error, and sometimes you do get unlucky, and it's that bad that something like that happens. And um, I, I can see how that could really, especially at that age, and having just moved to LA just get your own apartment, you're kind of feeling good. And then that just is a bit, would be a big knock. Um, so I'm glad you got back on the horse though. And, and you know, you like, like you have done your whole life and you continue to do, you just, you own your shit and you get on with it and you, you like, okay, this is what I need to do to, to move forward and get to where I want to be next. And you do it. So, you know, kudos to you for that, even in that, that moment of, of, I guess, uh, well, as you say, shame. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really, uh, uh, commendable attribute you have um just to get on with it and work out what's next so all right um cool uh, that's 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 an interesting one um yeah i could see how that could really light a fire up your bum i, I was fired one time i think um if memory serves uh, on on a, on a short film i did even before i went to college maybe when i was 17 or 16 maybe and uh friend of a family friend like a tiny little you know like a five thousand pound movie like a short film and this this one this one woman on it was she was she was a dick she was she wasn't a good person but she had a role on the show right and i was just this guy's runner friend whatever um and she was really rude about something and, and i commented on it to two people in a room you know saying oh she was like this you know whatever you know different you know any better mm-hmm. and she she overheard me and the next thing the producer's like you got to go home <laughs> oh, oh wow <laughs> yeah, I, know. I was i was so embarrassed and learned the lesson as you'd imagine um okay uh my my last one today is is quite uh, it was a really is a really big one in my career and that's that about 10 years ago i think it's about 10 years ago now i i saw the shift in television and streaming and to me it just seemed inevitable that it was going to explode and grow and you know with the internet the way it was it was only going to get faster and better Mm-hmm. It, it, I just, I saw it. I'm like, well, shit, 
you know, I, I traditionally wanted mostly to get into movies. TV was never necessarily something I enjoyed it, but it wasn't something I wanted to do. Um, but this obviously, you know, the world's changed, right? And entertainment has changed. And I saw that fortunately early enough and I, I managed to pivot at the right moment. I, I had been doing the big Hollywood movies and been working internationally. And I just, I basically set myself up and let people know I would love to do some high-end television series at this point, right? Just to get some experience in that realm. And I was very lucky. I was, I was in Abu Dhabi on Star Wars, which was, you know, a terribly tough job, but a great job. Um, and I got the call to go and work on Game of Thrones in Croatia. You know, going from that movie to that, I was so lucky, the timing of everything and just that opportunity kind of being created. And uh, it was, that was really pivotal in, in my life and, and to where I am now. Um, so I did Game of Thrones in Croatia and that went well. So I went to Spain with them as well. And then, uh, then I went on to do another television series for Netflix uh, and where I spent like a year in Malaysia pretty much. Um, which was a terribly tough job as well. Um, but I, again, I learned so much and, you know, obviously it was there, which was amazing, but that was great. So I'd worked for two of the biggest studios, the TV studios. And, and then when I moved to the US and um, I kind of had that grounding of film and television. And I, when I was offered the job at HBO, uh, at the same time I was offered Crazy Rich Asians in Singapore, they wanted me to go into that movie with them. And my gut just said right away, go into this. This is, this is the future. You need, you know, this is really about, it's exploding in this moment, lean into it. And, and I'm really glad I did. Um, and just had that realization, I guess, you know, early enough to kind of set myself up for it and prepare for it and look into it and, um, and really understand, uh, the importance of it in, in, in the industry, in the world. And, and obviously for me personally in my career. And what was informing, um, this understanding that TV was where it's at? instinct probably honestly i just it was just you know uh i mean even the zeitgeist at the time right you just all these things are kind of coming out and they're parts of the conversation and technology is advancing and people people want more um and 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 film is not enough these days you know for a grand spectacle and and we know we can make these big tv shows at this point so why not right you can get from a television series i i you know this was always in my mind from even when i was younger is the difference with a television series over a movie is you know, instead of having two hours of character and story development, even in one season, you get 10 hours. Mm-hmm. Just so much more to, to delve into. And then obviously from an audience perspective, you don't just get to see, you know, one person one time, you get them for 10 episodes. You know, that's the aim, right? You get them for like 10 hours as opposed to two hours. Mm-hmm. So there, there was just, there were so many flags for me. I'm like, this is, this is serious. This is going to, this is going to get really big. Yes. And at this time in your mid twenties, this is your career path, right? What specific roles are these that you had? on so this? I, I, I worked in production, um, which is all the logistics and organization for, for anyone doesn't really know. We production, we work with the producers to uh, get the show made and everything comes through production. It's like the, 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 I guess the top of the pyramid and everything feeds through it. And, and we feed everything back out, you know, to the, to the, the crew, the, the studios, the, you know, the everyone. Um, and, and we kind of organize and bring it all together. And for me, I was, I was a production coordinator in the end. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time. And, and, uh, and being on, um, those shows internationally was even better, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Going back to my, my first, my first thing today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so. You're up six four on two truths and a lie. Okay. So you, so I have a chance to come back even today, 
or you have a chance to go potentially to even four ahead of me if this goes badly. Okay. Do you want to go first? Huh? You can go first, please. Okay. Here we go. I seriously considered being a sugar baby. I seriously considered being a stripper. I sent a headshot to Music Soul Child asking to be the main girl in his video. These are all Firstly, in my mid 20s. You know? What's a sugar baby, please? Um, a sugar baby. Okay, you ever heard of like sugar daddy? Of course. So, oh, okay, I see. Uh -huh. On the receiving end of that. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes, yes. yes. I mean, that's 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 fair enough. That, yes. uh, uh, that makes sense. Uh, so, stripper and then uh, music soul child in the video. I am going to go with. Oh, interesting. I'm going to go and I'm going to go with this because you're such a hard worker and you are uh, passionate about your own independent growth. I'm going to go with sugar baby as being the line. It is not the lie. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Is it stripper? Is it stripper? Yes, it's stripper. It's that, that was my instinct. But I don't I just have a stripper's no. body, <laughs> sir, okay? I also Nobody just don't wants... think of a stripper's mind, but no, it just no. it just it just seemed too obvious to me. Damn, you got me again, Jen. I did. You get me again. I did. I'm running out of time here. This is I know. I know, sir. You better get it together. Except, well, if you get, get mine seven. right. So let me explain. Now. Let me explain the sugar baby because my mom doesn't even know this. Listen, after I got fired from Netflix, there was a little bit. There were like a few months between jobs, um, and you know that eight ninety five a month had to come from somewhere. You know what I'm saying? So again, keep in mind I'm in the church too, right? So there's a lot going on, and I'm like, oh my god, I need this money. Rent is due. Some of the girls are sugar babies. Maybe I don't need to do anything with these men. You know, like maybe I don't, you know, I could be one of those people. I don't have to do anything. They'll just like my charm and my, you know, my humor, you know? So I seriously considered it. Um, I even went out on a, a, a date, a situation. Uh, a, what, <laughs> what would you even call it? Like a, a possible business situation. Interview. <laughs> in the interview, I guess it was an interview with an older white gentleman. And what's funny is before this interview, I almost got into like a, a car wreck. And so again, being in the church, I'm like, oh my God, like this is totally father and mother. This is God telling me not to go, but I'm gonna go anyway. So then I meet up with the guy and he's a nice little, you know, older, older gentleman, nice. He even saw somebody he knew. And I was like, oh my God, this is fucking embarrassing. Okay. And so um, I'm just sitting there and he's talking and I'm thinking, I can't do this. Like, I can't do, like, I cannot do it. I cannot do it. So, um, you know, I bid him adieu, farewell, whatever the hell you say. And didn't talk to him since, but I did seriously consider it, did for sure. You would never guess that, but I did, I did consider it. Listen, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised by that. The strange I'm surprised thing, by that. The strange things you'll think of for a bit of change, okay? Right, right. Yeah. Um, wow. I, I am surprised by that one. Um, yeah. That's all right. And so that why is, didn't you become a stripper? 
Oh, no, that's a lie. That why didn't? Yeah, I did. <laughs> that's the lie. <laughs> oh, and then the other one. Okay, so Music Soul Child is like one of my favorite artists, okay? And so my the girlfriend that introduced me to the cult, she, um, she was getting headshots done. I forget for what. But the guy also wanted to do headshots of me for free. I was like, hell yeah. So then I got these pictures. They look like something out of fucking, what is that? In Chicago, I don't know. They, they kind of look like school pictures, okay? And I had my little head tilted and everything. It was just so ridiculous. And so I was like, I really want to be in a Music Soul Child video. Like to this day, I want to be in a Music Soul Child video. as like his main girl. And so I ended up sending him a picture but send it to like his agent, whoever. I don't even know how I got the information. Clearly didn't get a call back, not in one of his videos. But I still want to put that out there that I want to be in one of your videos. Like I have to be in one of your videos. It's a bucket list thing for me to, to do. There you go. All right, good, good to know. If, if I ever come across a situation where I can plug that, I'll, I'll certainly do so. <laughs> everyone who's listening, please also do so. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but obviously, if I, if I arrange this, I'm going to try and be in the video too with that. No, because it's for black people, David. <laughs> I can't kidding. get in it. I'm kidding. <laughs> Unless you're a barista. Maybe we go to like a coffee shop and you're the barista. You can do but, that. But what if I took my t-shirt off? You know, no, Steve white. Rogers. <laughs> 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 all right okay seven four well done uh killing Thank me you. here um yes. okay are you gonna get this week's well, i don't know i, I said yes because i, I said really i'm gonna get them all in a row you did you did okay two truths for life number one i got deported from costa rica number two i got attacked by a fish number three i got bitten by a poisonous spider I got, you said I got deported from Cuba. Meaning you got deported back no, no, to no. Like England? No, 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 not from Cuba. I got deported from Costa Rica. Uh, I got attacked by a fish and I got bitten by a poisonous spider. Are the, all these, all these are about you, right? They're not about somebody yes. else. Okay, I got, no. okay, I got deported from Costa Rica. I got bitten by a fish. And I got by a fish. attacked by a fish and, and I got bitten by, bitten by a poisonous spider a poisonous spider and you're not playing with semantics right you're not like like if i'm like oh the lie is the fact that you got attacked by a fish and you're like yeah because i didn't get attacked i got like kissed by a fish or something you're not like doing that right no. okay no so i would go with you have something with animals like animals don't really be like messing with you like that so I'm going to say the lie is you got, but then the deported one, it kind of sounds like some, 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 some David at misadventures type stuff. It does. And that fish thing sounds real too. Cause I feel like you told me about that. And then what's the third one? The poisonous spider. I got bitten by a poisonous spider. You got bit by a poisonous spider, which means that you would have gotten poison and probably die. So I'm going to go with the third one is the lie you are incorrect oh my god you're ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> uh skin of my teeth here i'm just keeping it alive all right um considering <laughs> this is what we've got four episodes left and you're three up i really got i've got to win every round off yeah you you've know. got to lose every round to win it that's true so you're in a pretty good position right now so i won't wait too much um number one i got to point from costa rica that was the lie god damn uh, it. i almost got yeah, we, we almost got deported from Costa Rica. 
two friends and I, when we were traveling, we came over uh, the, the border to Costa Rica and basically got snuck through. And so we didn't get stamped. So when we went to leave uh, to go to Panama at the time, uh, we go to immigration and whatnot, and they're looking through our passports and there's no stamps. And they're like, how did you get in this country? You're an illegal immigrant. Like, what's what's going on? And start questioning us. And obviously, we start panicking. They're like, well, well you know, you, what, you're going to get arrested, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, look, we'll find them. Just give us a second. And we kind of backed away and and then just kept backing away and kept backing away and just, just then started, like, jogging away and ran away from immigration. Um, and we had to go to this little town called Puerto Vieja just on the border or, like, a couple of miles from the border. And... Uh, hang out there over the weekend until our embassy was open on the Monday so we could call them. And they told us, uh, yeah, basically you're going to get deported. Um, uh, or what you could do is you can just get a flight out of the airport, Costa Rica airport, um, and um, hope that they just they just think it's easier just to let you go at that point, right? It's just not worth mm-hmm. their trouble just to cause job. So uh, we, we arranged that we, and we had to get two buses back towards um, San Jose, the capital of, of Costa Rica. And on both of those buses, we got stopped by immigration police and, and they lined everyone up on the bus and were checking everyone's passports. And both times we very deliberately got on the end of the line, just shitting ourselves like we're going to be done here. And by the time they get to the end, Again, we're white people, I think, and they just like breathe through and they just they just want to move on and they just let us go. And we get away with it both times. We go and we get on a plane and they look at it and they at the airport they look at it and they're like, okay, just you know, whatever, just go. Wow. So we were very lucky. Um, and and actually what the the uh, embassy had said was that we, we just admitted it. They they could uh, they would ban us for five years from Costa Rica as well, which obviously wouldn't have been ideal with and one of my friends went back like two times in that five years. So glad that didn't happen wow second one was i got attacked by a fish i was in cuba in a little town in, on like the the south uh east coast of cuba and we were just frolicking around in the ocean there like by the, the sea the seawall and this fish just flew out of the water and latched onto my ear and was just like with these sharp teeth it was biting it and, and i couldn't get it off i was like trying to pull it off but it was so uh far in there eventually i did and my, my ears just pouring out with blood and then I remember one of the guys saying, um, joking that there's a barracuda chasing it and it's probably about to get us too and all like <laughs> scrambling over each other to get out of the water. Um, so that was funny. And then the spider one, this was this was my mistake and it was a bit silly. Um, traveling around Central America and doing all that, like you see big spiders all the time, tarantulas, like big brown spiders, whatever it might be. Often in your rooms, when you go into rooms, you kind of have to chase them out and whatever, you know, it's not unusual anyway. Uh, we were in Honduras and I was doing my paddy license. Um, but what that really meant was we would get drunk until three in the morning, sleep for three hours and then get up at six and go diving still drunk, which was just terrible, but we had so much fun. Um, got, got to bed and we were in this like four room bunk room, uh, you know, whatever it is, dorm in this hostel. I'm on the top bunk of one of the rooms, fall asleep at like two thirty one night, whatever, wake up an hour later and I see this spider on the wall next to me. Like this probably is almost as big as like the circle part of my hand, right? It was like, it was a big brown spider. And and I, I kind of thought, weighed it up in my head. I'm like, they're always in here. What are the chances? I'm, I was going to have to wake everyone up. We're going to chase it out. Like we've got to get up early. So I left it and I just, whatever. And the next morning, I didn't feel it because I wasn't sure I was drunk, but I woke up and I had uh, like bite marks on my elbow. And my whole, el- my whole arm ended up like completely swelling up. And it was at this point I discovered that the, the travel insurance my mum had gotten me as a gift 
for traveling um, expired after like 30 day length of the trip. So I was uninsured as well. Um, and obviously, you know, on a shoestring budget. So I had to call a doctor who basically told me just take a load of antihistamines. So I sat for like two weeks or did stuff just completely high in antihistamines and my eye arms just like swollen. I've still got a scar on the edge of it, a little circular scar Oh there. my God. Um, yeah, yeah, that was my first mind, man. I didn't go with my first mind because it is something with you and animals. Something with you and what? insects, animals, all of them. They just don't be messing with you. They just don't. Generally, don't. I'm, I, I would say I am an animal whisperer and animals respond really well to me generally. So, you just, but I've had, I have had a couple of experiences with, you know, negative ones with animals. A fish jumping out the water to bite. Sir, be quiet. No, you don't. I mean, that's, that's, that's luck. That's not like, you know, this, this fish came out of the ocean searching for me, right? That's just that lucky. Anyway, I should have won my first mind. But good stories, though. <laughs> right. um, okay, apartment 4E. What are you putting in there this week? I'm going to put shame in there because it's so important, especially as we get older, that we are more transparent about the ways in which we were thinking at certain ages, the things we were doing, the things we were considering doing. Um to help other people, to give them an understanding into why we thought the way we thought and to help them make better decisions. Um, so yeah, I wanna put shame in there. I don't think that's in there. But I don't know why I haven't thought about this already in this conversation today, but um, one thing I'll say to you that has changed over the years is back then you felt shame and, and maybe you still do about that particular thing, even though we're putting it apart for you now. But what we're doing here right now is talking about it for an audience who maybe also have felt that shame and, and had that experience. So this is, like you said, no one tells you when they've been fired, right? It's not a common conversation people have in general. So kudos to you again for sharing that and being vulnerable with that today, because, it, you know, it, it's going to rock anyone. Um, so, so for anyone listening, that's, you know, that shame can go in apartment for yeah. because it happens to, to yeah. everyone. I, I expect most people have been fired at some point in their life. Definitely. And it, you know, I mean, if you've been an asshole, you know, you should check that. But but generally, you know, these things can happen. You're not right for everything. You're not right for every person. You're not right for every job. You're not right for every home, right? It's all it's all different. So, and, and we have to learn along the way. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, for me, and this is actually, you already put this in there, I think, maybe even a couple of seasons ago, but I'm going to put it in there again today because it, it's going to cut twice cancer. That's going to go in, you know, in honor of my grandma. Um, but it, it's in there twice now. So we're really kind of stuffing it in there. Um, with Susan. Um, all right. Um, and I, you, by all means, comment, but I feel like you just probably agree with that and you're happy with that. Of course. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Uh, so next week is our, our late 20s, which, which uh, you know, it, it, I don't know about you, but as these years go on, you're like, it's all a lot more serious and a lot more bigger, bigger things, right? As we, as we get more control over and more understanding about where we want to go in our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm yeah mm -hmm. all right cool um anything you want to share before we finish up no okay um i have one thing i will share a little psa and it's because i was speaking to a friend of mine about this week and uh trying to help them out and as i've done this for several people including you at, at one point actually um working out and getting fit and healthy right uh what all i'm going to say to people is and again i've just had this conversation recently with a friend of mine the longer you leave it in life, the harder it's going to be. 
So if you have this inkling and you know you feel like you need to work out and you want to be healthier and stronger and look after yourself and prepare yourself for as you get older, which, you know, as Jen and I are talking about all this now, is we're growing older and, and, and wanting to prepare ourselves for that and, and make sure we're in the best place for it. One of those is health and fitness. And uh, really, this is just a message to say, I encourage anyone, uh, if you don't do anything or even you do little, do more. Because you'll, you'll not only thank yourself tomorrow and next week, you'll thank yourself in 10 and 20 and 50 years because um, it, it's so important. Uh, you know, we need to look after ourselves. And one of the best methods for that mental and physical health is physical exercise. Um, so I just want to encourage everyone. And, and also just to say, that doesn't mean you need to suddenly be in the gym on the treadmill and doing weights and whatnot. The, the, the things I do, which we've spoken about before, I, I go to yoga, I hike and I walk all very low impact stuff, but, but something you can gradually build up and build strength in. And I know that I can also do all of those the rest of my life. And, and, and I'm stronger and healthier, I think, than I've ever been. And I don't go to any gyms. I don't do any of these you know, crazy classes or anything. So everyone's different. Everyone needs their own little thing, but it doesn't need to be big. Um, it can be small increments and it can be gradual. But the, the important message here is the longer you leave it, the harder it will be. I agree. I agree. And this is coming from somebody who hates working. I hate it. So what I decided to do last year was to stretch. And my goal was to stretch every day. So there were days where I did not stretch. Okay. Then I was stretching every single morning. And so ever since last year, like I stretch every single morning, I now add weights to it. And I have a, um, I do like these standing up crunches as well. So I, I sort of add things as I go and as I feel comfortable. Um, and I am a small person, but small people can be like not in shape. You know what I mean? Like looks can be deceived just because your metabolism is fast. It doesn't mean that your heart is necessarily pumping as fast as it should or you know, sometimes skinny, smaller people can be out of breath after two flights of stairs, but do what's comfortable to you and get a routine. I think more than anything, get a routine so that your body can become accustomed to, um, you know, you taking care of it basically. So yeah, I approve this message. <laughs> Very good. Very good. And, and I mean, and, and generally for any listeners, if anyone wants to so I'm, I'm happy to talk to anyone and give suggestions and, and ideas about, you know, ways that you might get into this stuff or adapt what you're doing to, to, to maybe set yourself up. Um, you know, I have a relatively good experience in it now um, with myself and with other people. So always happy to help um, improve someone's life in that way, if I can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so uh, before we go, our handles on Instagram, we are at shooting the ish with a Brit. That's no G shooting the ish with a Brit. And Twitter, we are at Ish with a Brit. And our website is also Ish with a Brit, which has everything on there, easily accessible. Um, thank you, Jen. Um, I look forward to next time. Thank you. Until next time. <laughs>